to have a real company that not only exists when you're not there, but has department heads and actually is built to be a billion dollar company. You need to have a traditional org chart that actually has the roles that you see at a traditional corporation that runs when you're not there, that has responsibilities and deadlines and goals, a marketing department, an accounting and finance department, an HR department, a sales department. There's so many things that go into a real business. And unless you start thinking like a real business owner and visiting these shops and looking at real org charts, it's going to be hard to ever compete with someone that's doing this stuff. When you say, yeah, they charge a lot, they charge a lot because there's people that are growing the business. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Uh, welcome back to the Home Service Expert. We're going to be going over some Q&A and really looking forward to this because I love this. Q&A is the best part of what I do. So first of all, one of my buddies, Jerry, had me add a little section of his book, the CVC Success Journal. So I bought a bunch of these books and he basically got a big group of guys and gals together and wrote a bunch, a bunch of tips. The first section is Brandy Biswell. Mastering the Office, Donovan Blanks, Skill Set versus Mindset, Bob Ferrari, Your Vision and How to Achieve It, Steve Hall, Building a Strategy for Financial Success, Carter Harkins, Your Guide to Nailing Communication and Providing a Better Client Experience, Taylor Hill, Five Things to Do Before You Start Marketing Your Business, Jerry Eisenhower, The Systematized Business Model, Cheryl Eisenhower, Hiring Time Again, Joshua Kelly, Row, row, row your boat. Get all your employees rowing in the same direction, remote world. Scott McLean, what your customers really want, how to deliver it. Thomas Mello, treat your employees as your internal customers. Randy Pennington, stop making success so complicated. Jillian Stewart, building your authority through your images. Ken Walls, what are you hiding from? And Bob Weiss, can service be profitable? It's a great book. There's a lot of great insight in here. I think I bought 200 copies. <laughs> so let's rock and roll. First of all, got to hang out with a good buddy of mine. Uh, his name's Keegan in Florida and uh, came from Vegas where, oh man, we had a great, great time in Vegas. I just stacking two trips up on top of each other. I've still got my bag with me. It was a lot because the Florida Keys are amazing. Key West is amazing. You know, Joe Crisaro was amazing. I will say this. Joe uh, treated everybody amazing. Had an amazing lineup. Uh, learned a lot of stuff. Hung out with some amazing people. It's interesting to see different businesses at different levels. Your mindset starts to change, though, I'll tell you. Hanging around with very successful people, you just get it. Something clicks differently. You understand, the more I get successful, the more I understand I got to take care of the people more. So what does that mean? I want to create a place to not, you've all heard, move, stay off your job and come to a career. That's pretty cliche. I want to change lives. I want to change lives. And to do that, we really need to talk about what other people want. What do they want in their life? No one comes here to work and says, Tommy Mello, I can't wait to make you the most successful garage guy in the world. They say, listen, I have dreams too. 
and I'm embarrassed to talk to you about them, but I want to increase my credit score. I want to make sure my kids are taken care of. I want to have a better relationship with my wife or husband. I want to make sure that I'm hurt in this business and that my life is getting better. And those are the things that I think are starting to happen in my life is we're nowhere good enough. And I always say we're the best we've ever been, but the worst we'll ever be. So that's what's going on lately is just really thinking about the mindset of a smart business owner who works with their coworkers, right? Barbecues. I got a guy right now in another market. He was bragging about how he's having barbecues and just the culture is just, is just getting so much better. Barbecues are not the secret. Making pancakes is not the secret. It's caring and giving a shit. That's the secret. But really, really making it a place that eight players swarm to. You know, a buddy of mine, I won't go into details, he had an HVAC company and he bought a into a garage door company and, and his couple guys went out their first day and they did the most crazy numbers you guys have ever seen because it's mindset. Think about this. <laughs> the garage door is a tiny little fee compared to an HVAC unit. So they go out and do seven grand in service in a day is nothing. It's nothing to them. It's like a joke. So think about that. Maybe we're, we're hiring wrong. Maybe the perception is wrong. Maybe the perception of a window washing or a house washing company, pressure washing company, it's just, maybe it's all in your head. And there's a lot of things, a lot of questions. So let me jump into this. I'm going to keep saying some things here as I go. But Daniel L. said, what do you do when you get an email or a one-star review complaining about price being a lot higher than competition? It seems like there isn't a lot of these reviews you give discounts and reward that question mark. Well, what I do is I sell value. And I know that sounds cliche. So if somebody says to me, I found it cheaper. I simply call them up and I listen. I shut the hell up. I explain who I am or some of my people here call Bruce, Bruce Fires. We listen to them talk and we learn about how they feel. Because feelings matter, especially when they're writing a review. It doesn't make common sense. And so they start their feelings. So you got to listen. So you listen and you say, listen, blah, 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 blah. But after I've done the research, I look at Service Titan and I see we gave them three quotes. What I noticed was after they get done talking for 10 minutes is you bought 80,000 cycles life springs. Now, if you don't mind me asking, what was the company you were talking about? Oh, okay. Well, that company gives 10,000 cycle springs. Let's say we gave you another option for that. And I'll tell you this. If you want us to come out there and put the 10,000 cycle springs in, we can match that price. No problem. See, I don't sell apples to apples when I sell oranges. And I think too many of you guys are always comparing price, 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 price. Get the price out of your head. Anybody that competes on price is commoditizing their industry. They can't compete on workmanship. They can't compete on coming out. I work Sundays. I work Saturday nights, I work on Christmas, and people are happy to pay for it. You know, one of the cliches I made the other day is, you buy this bottle of water. I don't know if I call it a cliche. It's not a cliche, but you buy this bottle of water at Costco in a thousand pack, you pay 20 cents for it. You buy it at a single bottle. I just was at a little thing. It knocks out one bottle at a time. You push the button. It was two bucks for a bottle. You buy it at a restaurant. It's six bucks. You buy it at a nice nightclub, it's 12 bucks. But yet there's a line waiting to get into the club or go to that nice restaurant. And I decided when you purchase from my company, you're getting a different experience. 
If you want to learn how to get rid of bad reviews, listen to people and offer a solution. And if it's a discount, if you say, listen, what you'll find, Daniel, is you guys were late. You didn't answer the phone right away, blah, 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 blah. So you say, listen, here's what I'm going to do, Mr. Smith. We were late by three hours. Your time is worth something. I'm not giving you money for free because I believe that your time comes at a value. And I'd like to give you some money for that value. I'm not paying for a good review. I'm not paying because I want to match that, that cheap customer's price. I'm calling because our time, my time is very important. And I'm sure yours is probably more important. So what I'd like to do is offer you something to make amends. And I got a question. If I give you this $100 for your time, would you consider us a five out of five service company? That's pretty simple. Most of the time you take the time to listen to reviews different than what they wrote, but how they feel, you'll find yourself more successful. Let me take one of these questions. Uh, Scott Shipton said, wondering if your technicians still use paper for presenting options to customers or if everything is done on iPad with Service Titan. We are an HVAC company and also use Service Titan, but I feel like we have a better closing ratio and higher average tickets when presenting options on paper. Once the customer decides, it's transferred onto the invoice on Service Titan. I hear a lot of different options on this. Wondering what you do. All right, Scott, here's the best answer I could give you is the brand new guys that learn how to give options on the tablet. Very, very good. They're comfortable with it. They'll sell better off the tablet. If you've got a guy that's been doing this a long time and he likes to go, look, a lot of people, they call this the Ben Franklin. Okay. They put, they give two options. Then they say it comes with this. If they're very good at that, continue doing it that way. Me personally, I like to write on paper, but I like to do show and tell. See, I can't come up with the numbers fast enough. Service site is a button and it tells you what it costs per month. If you're not selling things in finance options, you're not doing everything you should. And I got guys that still don't do it properly. You could go in weekly. You could go in daily options. Hey, it's less than a cup of coffee. You've heard that before. So the question is, how can you be most successful? What I would say is you got some old school guys that are used to doing high ticket sales and to change up what was doing good for them. You don't take a perfect batting average and say you're going to change. People have their own styles. Now, when they're training somebody, you need to find the perfect person to train, your lead technician that trains everybody. That person or people should be doing all the training the new way you want it. You know, I talked a little bit about Jonathan Wistman. He's an amazing guy. He wrote The Sales Boss. And he says, we overanalyze our top, top techs. Let them go do their thing. They want freedom, but they also want direction. There's a happy medium. But don't let them be the bad egg. Don't let them always talk crap and say, oh, this new way we're doing it is shit. You need to make sure they conform. Some of your best people get the best reviews. They hire the most as far as recruit. They get the best jobs. They do the best follow-up. So don't change it if it's broken. But the problem is our top producers are hardly ever replicated. So I would say make sure you're taking guys out that you can repeat the process. Let's see. Let's run through a couple more questions here. Okay. Dean. McManus, what's your recommendation on standard operating procedure software? Best and easiest to set up, SOP. So I like all my SOPs to come out of service time, but what I've found is that I need other software to help run the calculations that I want to see. You've heard a picture is worth a thousand words. To me, I like to look at a picture. I'm a visual guy. Trust me, I get deep into the numbers, but I need to know what numbers to look at. You give me 25 dashboards, I can't focus on that. I can start digging in. 
But I want to know, let me analyze where this person might be not doing well. What I find is when you teach what Al Levy teaches, operational, technical, and sales, the three things, the reason sales fails is because you're not doing it operationally correct. You don't know how to sell financing. Or you might not know how to install a bottom rubber or install a capacitor. I'm sure anybody can sell, do a capacitor. But my point is, if you're not comfortable doing the work in front of the customer, then a lot of times you're afraid to sell it. So make sure they've got the technical and the operational ability because I think that inhibits a lot of sales a lot of the time. So standard operating procedures that I'm starting to look for. I mean, you, you guys know my favorites. It's obviously the conversion rate, the average ticket, uh, the booking rate, and the cost per acquisition. But looking at the reviews are very, very important. And incentivizing reviews, contests are great. What I've learned about this industry, home service, is a lot of these guys are very, very great at what they do. But they need a little kick in the butt all the time. Some guys need a kick in the butt every week. Some guys need it every day. Some guys need it every job. To learn that is going to make you a better leader. And then you can start managing it. And forget the word manage. I don't like that word. Coaching. But the SLPs, I mean, listen, I've got a lot of them. But I know what to look for first because it comes in a sequence of, of order. You know, why would I look at marketing at the average conversion rate is shitty? Customer satisfaction comes number one. If it's a $25 ticket, then great. I don't care. As long as that customer is happy and they're going to use us again and we get our sticker. Number one, customer satisfaction, use us again. There's a thing called the NPS, Net Promoter Score. Nines and tens are promoters. So remember that. Customer satisfaction comes number one. You can't tell that to a lot of companies. They say, no, big tickets, but then they don't have any repeat business. Number two, conversion rate. Conversion rate is more important than anything. Why would I advertise to just let jobs go? Okay, most people don't have any comprehension of conversion rate. Well, listen, if you're not converting a lot of your leads, then lower your marketing cost and get a higher conversion rate. Number three is average ticket. Average tickets do matter. And of course, your booking rate is different. That's a different part of the company. But I'm talking about the technician side. And when you dig deep, learn to go off of the mean of the company. What does the mean mean? And when you add up 10 numbers, 10 different sales guys and divide it by 10, that's your mean. Now, here's a little secret. Let's pretend you've got this huge outlier. If there's a big bell curve, so I'll just I'll draw this bell curve here for you guys. And the mean comes down the middle right here, right, right there. These are outliers. You sometimes got to pull out the outliers because they skew the numbers so far. Because if you got someone so good and such an anomaly, pull them out. If you got somebody so crappy and they're about to get fired, pull them out. Or a trick is you take the median. So once again, if you have 10 companies, and this is the middle, you would take number, let's see, five and six, and then you'd average those out, and that would be the, the median is meant to take out the outliers. So standard operating procedure software, I've used a lot of tools. I, I use, some people look at, that when they come in to visit, they're like, dude, how many softwares are you running? And they each have their own purpose, but... <laughs> it's crazy what you could do with software. There's a lot of people that aren't using any software and I want to know who you are. Let me know who you are so I can come into your market next. Whatever you do, I'm starting that business next and I'm going to come there if you're not using software. <laughs> Got a lot more questions here. Steve Marsh, if you only had $1,000 per month to spend on advertising, what would you do? Okay, 1000 bucks. 
Well, a thousand dollars is not a lot. The first thing I would do is is do a lot of things that don't cost me anything. I'd borrow money to wrap my truck. That's a given. I'll get it a higher conversion rate, higher edge average ticket, way more leads because it's out there. It's branded correctly. Make sure it's branded right. I build a website, make sure I got the website. I claim my GMB. I'd go to every family member and, and friend I know and tell them they're going to get a free tune-up and I'd start stacking reviews. Not just Google, not just Yelp, not just Nextdoor, but on Facebook. Then I'd ask them for BBB. Then I'd ask them for, I could go on and on. There's Yellow Book, Yellow Bot. There, there's a million places. And the more you're found, the better it is. So they're good friends and good family members. You'll give them a list of 20 and they'll do all of them. Kudzu, Merchant Circle. Do a good job for them. Show up when you say you will. Give them rollers, do a bottom rubber, but they're real clients of yours. So it's not, it doesn't go against the terms and policies. But if I had to tell you the best investment of everything is clicking on your own, bid on your own keywords on pay-per-click and do local service ads, LSA ads. It's hard to get through in a lot of industries, but it's the best ROI. What I really try to focus on is making sure my Google, my business page is in a great area where there's not a lot of competition and it's a good population. And I know I can rank quickly because just picking the right location is 90% of the battle. In the beginning, at least. If I only got $1,000, when you get big, it doesn't matter as much. How do you integrate contracts into the sales process? Is there something that automates or incorporates this into your CRM? House Call Bro doesn't offer this. What would your recommendation be to get clients to start signing? You know, our contract's built in. I'm sure if you had someone higher up, here's my secret sauce, is go talk to House Call Pro. Find out the biggest five companies that work for them that have tons of users. I guarantee you they built a contract into it. It might be a workaround. It might be some type of automatic PDF signature form that links to it. But I don't know. I'm not the expert at every single CRM. I just know the basic functionality. Believe it or not, I probably am not the greatest at Service Titan <laughs> because I don't learn the same things the text learn on it. I'm more interested in the data, the output side of things. And I got to tell you, I'm very, very excited because we're implementing some different software here in the next month. And I believe my conversion rate is going to go through the roof. I mean, look, I love playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. And I'm just realizing that this isn't just garage doors. Listen, HVAC and plumbing and electrical have been kind of brought under private equity companies. But there's so many other industries that I love right now. And they're just ripe for the taking. And it's so easy if you guys just started thinking about a process. You know, how are you going to get to $100 million? It's pretty simple. Just draw a line, kind of like a slash on your computer. So draw a line and then say, there's $100 million. And just ask yourself, what would I need in the next five years to get to $100 million? And then understand how much does your average truck do. And it's pretty simple. It really, really is. What would you need to become? Who would you need to hire? Build a new org chart out and say, these are the people I would need. These are the standard operating procedures that would need to happen. Okay, I was talking about KPIs earlier instead of standard operating procedures, but standard operating procedures come from KPIs, really. And the procedures, see, I spend all day thinking about processes and procedures and certain things I could do to kind of calculate the outcome in my favor. And we used to mismeasure every door and I got so mad because here's what happens. Every employee here, every manager here said, you cannot measure and get a picture at the same time. Because I said, there's one thing I do know. How could we stop everybody from mismeasuring? Maybe if we took a picture of the measurement. Well, 
we break too many iPads, blah, 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 blah. What I find is there's certain people that will always find a reason to say no. Always find a reason why it can't work. And we just, we got to make it this way. But there's always someone else out there that gets really, really tricky and figures out a way to make it into an exact process. But it takes time and it takes everybody to buy in. And that's the hardest thing. The reason why companies fail is the owner, they're always the owners fail, is because the owner's got a big head and they go, these guys will never understand. And then, and then, you know, they only complain about their people instead of coming up with solutions and listening and getting ideas. See, I'm an idea machine. I just say, give me a solid thing I could take to the team and they'll sign up on this because some of the stuff, you know, we need to get unanimous ability. I like debates. You know, in fact, last Christmas, I had a lot of debates with my managers and a lot of them I lost. A lot of them I said, fine, you're right. A lot of them I won, but I like people that know how to say no to me. Because if I had a bunch of guys that just said, yes, whatever you say, Tommy, that would not want that would be, it wouldn't be the same company. I'll tell you that. Let's go to Cody Johnson. When a competitor closes shop, what are some of the ways to capture their phone number? So Travis is an expert at this. I mean, he's done it a million times, but the first thing you do is find out there's places you could call. It's like reverse lookups and you can find out who owns the number. You can find out, first of all, where it's at. It's AT&T, where it's listed as. There's a million different providers. Then you could call them. And after a certain amount of time, the number becomes free. And if you're the first bidder on it, you get it. Or you simply call the owner of the number still and say, I'll pay you. What I like to do is just put around a call tracking number on service site and say, I'll give you 30 bucks a call that I book. And you'll be getting a check for nothing. Now, a lot of people would rather wait for it's free, but my way is guaranteed and it incentivizes them to still do things. Well, hey, I got two other numbers. Hey, I also shit, I'm out of the business now. I'm going to give you every lead that calls my cell phone. So how do you create a win-win more than just the phone number, right? Tommy, you threw out a bunch of information that's from Tony, define conversion rate. So I want you to split up everything into two categories, service and door sales. And hopefully service turns into door sales. But I want you to track your conversion rate. For when you go out, you knock on the door, you start, the service call, anything over $80, I consider a conversion. If you don't get more than $80 at, at our pricing, I don't consider that a conversion. But most people will say anything that you convert into a client that you get your sticker up there and you solve the problem is a conversion in service. Sales is you're probably going against other people. They're getting two bids, three bids, whatever. That's what people do when they get anything. It's normal. You want to measure your conversion rate when you're doing that. Now, we're in a lucky industry in garage doors because people don't answer their damn cell phone and they don't call people back and they don't do follow-up. So I've been the price, the highest price a million times. And then they're like, you're the only one that's interested in calling me back or hearing or following up on the business. So conversion rates are split into two things, service and sales. And then I look at my conversion rate from service to sales. So out of every call we run, how many of those service calls could I get to buy a new door? Because believe it or not, a lot of these doors are messed up and they don't look good. And people were thinking about getting a new door. But if you go, no, no, this old one, fine. Don't waste the money. Then, of course, they're not going to want to do it. But if you said, you just made 37% on your house last year. This thing is full of equity. The garage door is the smile of your home. It's a beautiful. Let me just show you what it'll look like on your house. You're going to love it. But all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? Let's go ahead and do it. I'll spend 10 grand. When they're only going to spend $600, now they spend ten grand. Yeah, you got $3,000 in parts, but that's still a net $7,000. That's what people fail to miss. 
or fail to catch, I should say. They don't understand that concept of service to sales. You know, Frank Blau and George Brazil taught us this in the 90s and Ron Smith. And, and luckily, I was around enough people to pick some of it up. Isaac Roa, I'm in a plumbing industry. How do I come up with the price book for my technician can use? If I were you, Service Titan offers a price book pro, and they've already got the numbers that are kicking ass. Price book pro, people have built the pictures. They've done everything. They've done the hard work. You're going to go, oh my God, this is a lot of money. This is so much money. How could I sell stuff for this? The only way you'll ever be able to compete is by charging enough money. You see, we have employees. I still got a full house here. Lots of employees. You know what? Out there is a Mercedes. One of my other guys has a brand new Beamer. They have nice things. Believe it or not, they want nice things too. You know, when you hire the right staff, the right trainers, the right recruiters, right HR, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have a company. They got a few good managers, and that's it. They'll, to have a real company that not only exists when you're not there, but has department heads and actually is built to be a billion-dollar company, you need to have a traditional org chart that actually has the roles that you see at a traditional corporation that runs when you're not there that has responsibilities and deadlines and goals, a marketing department, an accounting and finance department, an HR department, a sales department. There's so many things that go into a real business. And unless you start thinking like a real business owner and visiting these shops and looking at real org charts, it's going to be hard to ever compete with someone that's doing this stuff. When you say, yeah, they charge a lot, they charge a lot because there's people that are growing the business. Whoever created this water bottle, I'll use this again, has every one of these main roles. Whoever created this microphone, whoever created this iPad, whoever created any of these things are real businesses. Now, you may consider yourself a real business, but when you leave for six months, I want to know how that business looks when you get back. Because it's not a real business. Six months is a long time to leave. You're probably doing a leave of absence. The CEO can't do that. They'd replace me if I left for that long because it's too many important decisions. But you got to start thinking like a real business. And you need to start investing the time and energy back in the business. More importantly, the money. I always say this, but first thing guys do when they go make a lot of money is they get, if you can't make money, if you can't save money at $50,000 a year, good luck when you get 100. Good luck when you get 300. They go out, they buy all these freaking stupid ass toys that depreciate. They go buy these second homes that don't do anything but sit there, but you know, six weeks out of the year. They go buy all this shit. I like a second house as long as it's making equity, but rent it the rest of the time. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't deserve shit. You borrowed the money to get where you're at. You put sweat equity in, pay the business back first and let it reap the rewards that you want. See, you think for some reason that the business owes you everything, but you are building a nest egg that you're going to get a multiple on. It's the beast that keeps, watch, if you're making $800,000 a year and you put it back into it, and let's say that gives a six times multiplier. That's $4.8 million. Your payday is coming. Have a little bit of delayed gratification, please. Ah, gets me excited. <laughs> let's see here. Robin, what software? You, you know, there's some things that I'm doing, uh, th different things. You know, we use HubSpot for a uh, to send it to the customers for the buyer's guide. I'm looking at some software that basically it's, Kind of like Active Campaign, I'm trying to think of the name of it, 
But basically what happens is it, it's like a rehash software that text messages the customer and does a whole follow-up campaign. I love text messaging. I love it if you can get away with it and, and make sure you follow the rules. We're taking our own database and we're doing a lot more email blasts through HubSpot. Anything you can do to reactivate your campaign is really the key. Let's see here. Mo Salem. I'm an owner of a fairly busy graduate company in Northern California since 2009. We've been experiencing people setting up Google business pages using my company name and with their own phone number. I've also been going to calls that are strictly booked by my company and I find someone, find another person there. They tell the customers they work for me. What can I do to resolve these issues? Well, first of all, and this gets a little bit pricey, but you need to hire an attorney. And anytime you're messing with a Google, it could be scary because they're claiming your pages, it sounds like, but there's attorneys that that's some deep, dark crap. And if they're really doing that, I mean, I'd send them a cease and desist to find out who they are. And I would seriously go after some, somebody's learning a lesson on that. They could go to jail. You could sue them for a lot of money. Most of the time when you get an attorney for this kind of stuff, no one wins. They're going to spend a lot of money. They may go to jail, but you're still going to end up out the money, but at least you'll stop the problem. But at least get an attorney that can get on their butt. And, you know, I don't have one in California. California is a, a kind of a different beast, but I've had some stuff go down on that. And you just got to be careful. I think trying to uh, get all your own pages activated and, and claimed is the beginning of it. And then I find out how they're answering the phone. You could trace it to them too. And there are forensic lawyers that deal with this kind of stuff. So you want to nip it in the butt because they could go to jail for this kind of stuff. That's impersonation. And that's not good. And I would do something right away. I'd hire somebody right away. Let's see. Jeremy Keen, what kind of arrival window have you found to be the most efficient? We find that, that the longer the window you could give, the better. So five-hour windows. But if the customer needs to drill it down, then you should do that for them. I think the best advice I could give you is the longer the time, the better your dispatchers could do, the more things you could do with your time. The bigger windows allow for you to push things in and pull things out. If a guy's doing a big job, you can push things out. If they're doing kind of flying through the jobs, you can pull things in. Bigger windows allow you to call tomorrow's jobs and pull them into today. But some people say I need to get a time. I need it kind of narrowed down because I got my daughter's seminar tomorrow. Then you go down and you can just put do not move. But most people are pretty flexible when something breaks. They just want it done today. What's a good number of calls per truck without rushing guys? I think that's relative of whatever you're doing. But in garages and, and a lot of other industries, I think three jobs is is kind of the target. Four is a little bit like, okay. Two They'll still be able to do really, really well if they know they only got two calls that day. I think some guys brag. I guarantee you there's someone watching this that happened to find this Q&A and they're going, my guys could run 10 jobs a day. <laughs> my guys are better. Your guys suck. If they're running 10 jobs a day, they suck. They don't have relationships. They don't get reviews. They don't know how to fix stuff. They're horrible. I could run 20 calls a day, put them in a row. What the hell? What's the point of that? Listen. Three jobs a day, watch your sales double. Six jobs a day, watch them cut in half. Nine jobs a day, cut them into a third. If you got that many jobs, turn something off and hire somebody. Call me. If you got nine jobs a day per tech in the garage industry, we need to make a deal. As long as it's not home warranty crap. 
I don't want to hear about your home warranty stuff. But if you're getting nine calls per tech, take my cell phone. It's 480-430-1573 and call me later tonight. <laughs> Trevor Maddox, what things do you find best to help guys drive more five-star reviews with their customers? Some of our guys are graded in the home and some aren't when they could easily be. Uh, you know, contests really work for guys a lot. I would say that whenever we have a contest and there's a monetary reward and then get them to the front of the stage and just really start reading them out on a daily basis. But don't always just do Google, do Yelp, do Facebook, do other places and have the dashboards to be able to analyze where you want to get more reviews. You know, I've got an amazing group in the marketing room that, that kind of figure this stuff out and we have contests and we have different things of that nature. But we do a scorecard per tech, and if they're not putting out yard signs, if they're not getting the right reviews, it hits them really, really hard. And I'm like, these are freebies. Listen, the boss is putting out a competition, and he's going to take me to dinner with my wife. I'd love to go to dinner. He's a good guy. We're friends. Help me go to dinner with my boss and my wife. Can you just leave me a quick review? My name's Tommy Mello. And I'd really, really, really appreciate it. Did I give you five out of five service? Okay, great. Can you go ahead and do that while I'm cleaning up? doesn't matter. Just learn to ask for it. That's half the battle. So the reason they don't get it is because either they said the company really enjoys a good review. No, I need a good review. Me, I'm a person. People relate to people, not companies. The company's not a living organism. I'm a real person that breathes oxygen. And people will leave me reviews because I ask them to. But if you don't ask them to, they're not going to go out of their way. They need to know why you want the review too. Why would I take the time to do this? Well, we're having this awesome contest. We're actually doing this. All of us are going to Acapulco or uh, Cancun. We're having a huge contest for, we call it the Pinnacle Club for my top people. And it's going to be so much fun. And I'm not sure for sure if it's going to be in Cancun. I don't know what's going on with the world right now, but we're having a Pinnacle Club and it's going to be awesome. And everybody's going to want to do it because we're going to bring back all these great pictures of course, there's some people going to feel left out, but take them to dinner. Facebook user. Hey, Tommy, I own a niche business that I want to franchise. I'm currently enrolled in Michael Gerber's Radical U. I believe my business could easily be replicated. I have two employees and have no time to efficiently work on the business. Constantly putting out fires. Would you take this on yourself or hire your weaknesses and create a team to speed up this process? Well, for a franchise, you're going to need at least to work in several different cities. If I was going to be a franchise, I want to build a badass brand. And literally, it'd have to be amazing. Dan Antonelli, or, you know, with Kick Charge or possibly the Wizard of Ads, but I don't think he'd take on a small company. Just the brand needs to be simple and sexy. You need a national website. You would need a standard operating procedure manual with every detail. You would need a training center. You would need recruiters. You would need to partner with franchise people that know how to go out and find other franchisees. You need to have it run like clockwork. Not a lot of issues. I don't want to buy headaches. So what I would do is I would hire a great operator and my mind would be looking for problems. And every day I'd be walking, working on figuring out the processes to make sure the next location I open will not have these problems. That's through processes and systems and technology. So I put my time into the great CRM, a great process, a great handbook, how to make amazing people and make sure they're always being driven to that next level. And once you figure that out, you figure it out in three or four markets and make sure they're all profitable. 
Now you have something that's franchisable. I think the biggest problem I see is a lot of people say my business could easily be a franchise. And then they take on a bunch of franchisees and it all goes to shit. And then they likely to get sued. And then you got the SEC and the crazy shit on your, like it needs to be well thought out and super profitable. So Joy Harris said, how do you handle GMB for your satellite areas where you don't have a physical office to make sure you still still up in that area? Well, Joy, unfortunately, I rent a building and I get a real location with a real business card and I get the plate registered to that location and I get the registration, the insurance, I get the bills, I get the cable bill, the uh, appliances, you name it, all goes into that because you can't do satellite things for Google. All you could say is you're working in an area, but what I'd recommend is smaller showrooms and try to give them at an affordable rent, but You'll learn real soon. Google's algorithm is not going to allow cheaters and it's not worth going down that road. You could get away with it for a while, but it's just not good. It's not good for Google. Get a relocation, invest in that relocation, have people working out of that office because it's the gift that keeps giving. You get the GMBs, you get the LSAs on top of it. You just get found a lot more and it makes sense to do it if you're in the right area. Uh, Mitch A. Shipman, how did your CFO analyze your satellite locations? around the country to see if they are profitable. What are the KPIs? So it's called BU, business units. And I've got a whole dashboard that shows me all kinds of stuff per business unit. When I break everything out in QuickBooks, but now we use a different software because we got way too big for QuickBooks. It's called Intact. But what it does is it breaks everything down and you know your labor per that department. So I'll show you guys another software I use. Expensify. If I take a picture, and trust me, I took a lot of pictures <laughs> this trip. So you take a picture of it and you pick the description and you might write what you did and who you were with. And then these are all my business units. So you want to make sure to put in the right business units. So if I take, I'm in a certain city and I take out the whole company, it's going to go under that business unit because that expense should go under that department, which is that city. So every single market, we're looking at how much we spend in marketing, how much cost of labor, uh, cost of goods sold. We're looking at all these different things. And what's so beautiful is when you got all these competing business units, you could find the little areas that are kicking butt and that are failing. I might look at it and say, oh, my God, our rent's high in that area, but it's a higher renter area because there's more overhead. I might find that the guy's taking the guys out to eat way more than they should be or that he's not taking them out enough. Hey, why don't you have your bills a little bit higher for, to create culture and morale? We're not seeing any of that going on there. So understanding that stuff is super, super important. If I could go back in time, finance is everything. What markets to put more money into, what markets to take money out of, it's everything. I wish I could show you guys what I could do. You guys are going to see in the next couple of years. The stuff that I'm learning and you guys are learning with me, I could go into any business now and 10 times it so quick. It's just... It takes blood, sweat, and tears, and true time is what it does. It takes a lot of talking to people and asking questions and surveys and understanding and always working on processes and not firefighting. There's no money in firefighting. Firefighting allows you to go from today to tomorrow. It does nothing to grow the business. How are you handling shipping supply or supply shortages? That's why, Michael. Well, I'm calling every single person I know that's in the supply chain and asking them to do me favors all the time, every day. 
and we're getting by and I'm also looking for locations and things that no one else is looking. I'm looking, hey, can I just buy the coil if they don't have cones? I'm looking to buy things and do more of the labor work myself. I'm looking at all these different places and we've been getting by pretty well. And trust me, supply chain will continue to have its issues for the next year. But as these supply chains continue, we're shipping product from Phoenix to different areas. It costs more money to do this, but at least I'm getting product. You know, we've asked for a lot of favors and we're getting by and we're setting the right expectations for the clients on the new door side. But you got to be, it's so funny. So many people give up. So many people call the first person they're out. That's the only manufacturer they use. And they go, oh, well, we don't have any. Then they get two guys that quit. You got to think outside of the box. You got to think hard. You got to be a business owner. You got to look, when no, uncover every rock. And when you do that and you truly want it, you figure out a way every single time. But it's the owners that don't take the time to figure it out. They're not relentless. They're not tenacious. They don't want it as bad as you. When you go the next step, the next mile, you will put people out of business and you will take over your industry. Somebody said I sound like GDS. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. Um, said I, I'm very humble. I appreciate that. Oh, let's see here. Tommy, if I recall, this is by David Hunter. If I recall correctly, in a previous video, you mentioned recently exiting from a market. Do you think about a value pricing differently in a small market? Any lessons learned? Uh, yeah, there was several years ago I exited from a market. You know, here's the thing is when you go into a market, I have different key performance indicators. I go in as a price leader. I really do. But I've always got the next level and the next level up. I'm going to try to create the reputation in that market. So, yes, you could be a little bit more affordable. And here's the difference. Get ready for this. This is a huge nugget. I don't talk about this stuff. But PR, public relations, is the key to smaller markets. They want to buy from someone that's like them. So if I go to Australia, if I go to Sydney and I don't speak Australian, you know, it's a lot more difficult for me. They want to know, am I supporting my local community? And when you can do more, the smaller areas need more PR. They need more oomph. And when you can give that to them, that's the key. You know, I can tell you guys everything's perfect here. There's so many things going on. There's a lot of issues at A1. I got to be 100% transparent to make you guys think that I you walk in here and everything's hunky-dory. I don't deal with any of the problems. I got to tell you, high-level problems. We're working on a huge opportunity right now with a bank to be able to buy out companies. But my point is, we do have issues. Getting inventory is an issue. Getting guys to do five stars all the time is an issue. Getting them to do yard signs, making sure that they're driving perfectly. To have as many employees as we have, it sounds easy when I make it sound like this. It's because keeping my eye on the ball, I went to my buddy. Well, Vanessa called me up. I was having big issues with recruiting. Indeed was not working the way it used to. Craigslist was not giving me any leads. Glassdoor did not look good. So I worked on it and my time goes to the biggest problems, but it's on a high level. I'll acknowledge the problems and we'll be working through them. A lot of them operationally, I'm not involved in. I'm on how do we make this city go to 10 million next year and make the bottom line 15 to 20%. And so I just simply draw what I need and I see where we're at today. And we look at the things because financially it tells us our cost of goods is too high. If you want 60% gross margin, then you know exactly you need to change your price book. Now, if it's not the price book, it might be your conversion rate. But looking at the financial statements and being able to read them is half the battle. So understanding the financial statements that could cause you 
into the best thing possible. You'll actually have clarity on how much you should be charging. You'll understand your conversion rate more. You'll understand how good the technician is. I mean, hopefully at every single job you guys are stopping at, you're figuring out who the HOA president is and going and helping him so they could advertise you free in their HOA. So many little things you guys could be doing. And I hope you're taking some stuff from this. Uh, Jamie Porterfield. Tommy, can you tell me about your reward program when you perform your spot check on inventory? What happens when it matches? What happens when it doesn't? Well, I'll tell you guys, inventory, it's probably our hardest thing to get right. We allow a percentage of our inventory to be off. You know, Al Levy always said, you want to count the loaves of bread, not the slices. And inventory is so important to keep an eye on and just keep up with it. See, I have a different view. I kind of let the guys that handle inventory, I, I let them kind of run with it and they're making a lot of great impact. But what if I told you my way of doing it? And I think my way is the best. And you tell me if I'm wrong. Every week, the guy comes in and the truck better look like the Taj Mahal. Shined up. He will get a reward for it. Shit, I'll give him 100 bucks. I'll give him 100 bucks as long as I want you to have five reviews. I want five yard signs. It's easy if you run in 20 jobs. And I want your truck to look like the Taj Mahal. I want everything to be organized where every label is. And I want you to bring me the count of everything. And I'm going to have it. Boom. I can just print out exactly what you should have on your truck. Because the trucks are considered their own warehouse. Uh It's crazy. So I check. I print out what they should have. And I simply go like this. If you lie to me, and it's blatantly lied, you're getting written up. If you're off by a simple mistake, you're just not going to get your 100 bucks. And if you're correct on the three items, I'm going to pick two things expensive and one random thing. And if it's correct, and maybe when I'm walking by, because here's the thing is you get a shelf that holds 20 remotes, this little thing, and there's half in there. So, you know, there's 10 and then everything under it, maybe it's another 20. It's easy to look. You could do 10 items just by looking at it. Boom, boom, boom. Count the boxes and then there's three. So there's 10 in a box. There's 33. There's three boxes. 33, check. Check, 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 check. Okay, I'm good. But they never know what you're going to randomly check. How long does that take? Not long at all. But they got to know there's a punishment. Got to know there's a reward. And they got to know that they might not get anything. But the reward to me means you show up to work with your stuff. I don't necessarily know if that needs to be a big monetary thing. Inventory has always been a tough one. I think it's it's easy, but you got to demand more. My guys are handling it. I think we could do a better job, but but we're getting there. It's so tough right now. Look, supply chain, I'm not going to make excuses, but I will say it's hard to take inventory. I don't even want to be out there when the guys are bitching about inventory, saying I don't have this, I don't have that. How do you expect me? It's like, ah, I get it. I'm sorry. We're working on it. You know. Let's see, Isaac, how do you make sure you get new customers to repeat the business with you? You follow up with email or text. I would say the people that make sure they're, they're going to use you again. Just ask them if you had a five out of five service. If they had five out of five service, most likely they're going to use you again. But the way that you build raving fans is not by price. It's by putting on footies when you walk in the house. It's by smiling and offering them coffee on the way. It's by playing with their dog and saying, yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for choosing A1 Garage We know you have a choice. And then it's by telling stories. Say the last customer that did that, you know, what ended up happening is this little old lady, nicest lady in the world that came off track. And she had this little Honda. And I got to tell you, we felt so bad for the lady. Me and another guy went and fixed it at no charge. But, you know, we know that this costs the company money. And we don't want that to happen to you. And 
Practice smiling more. Practice changing. Be their friend. Say, what? You're a high school teacher? I'm like, listen, let me call my boss. I just want to tell him what you guys do for the kids with everything we're going through. Thank you so much for giving back. It just be, I know, I know some of the teachers, they just, the salaries aren't what they should be. I think teachers should be some of the best paid. What if we took some of that politician money and gave it to teachers? We'd have a lot smarter people out there. Listen, let me see what I can do for you because, yeah, listen, they said I could give you an operator reinforcement bracket or they said I could give you a surge protector. But actually being genuinely interested in the other person, oh, my gosh, it's a Harley? Holy cow, my cousin's got one of those. What do you think? Do you ever go to the that show in uh, North Dakota or whatever, uh, whatever it's uh, Sturges or South Dakota, and actually talk to people? What would happen if you were actually genuinely interested? What would happen if you hired people that were? that walked out of there and made a friend. Then you know they're going to use you again. That's how word of mouth happens. You take care of them. You use the right products. You do the right work. But you also make a friend. And then you don't have to guess. We hear all the time how good people are because they make eye contact and they smile and they say, yes, sir, absolutely. They're respectable. They look fine. I mean, they don't need to be God's gift to mankind, but they don't have, you know, 18 face tattoos. Power washing brothers. (laughs) Mitch. Have you ever burnt out? How did you come back from that? Have you seen others come out of burnouts? What have you learned from them? You know, there are times where sometimes you just wonder why you do this. There are days that all the headaches seem to come at once. It seems like the world's against you. It seems like things aren't going right outside of work. And then you come to work and maybe one's holding you alive. And then all of a sudden, both of them start to get at you. And those are the toughest times. And For me, you got to have some support lines to pull you out of it, but you got to make sure not to use those support lines all the time. So for me, have a couple different outlets and just some words of wisdom. But here's what you need to do most is drink a lot of water, get a good night's sleep, and maybe take a short vacation. And I realize sometimes when you're in the middle of fires, that's not the best idea. So make sure you're not leaving yourself with a bigger fire. But there's, you know, I got to go on a vacation. And for me, I don't do that a lot. And I enjoy work, but I have so much more clarity. You know, one of the things I love is giving people vacations because they come back and they're 10 times more efficient with their time. They're excited. They're great to be around. You don't get that all the time. And it's something that's very, very valuable. So I would say burnout is real. But a lot of the people, they don't understand. They get so ingrained in the problems and the drama. You know, if there's an issue, you could spend all your time on that issue or all your time on the solution. I find that most people focus on the problem and the issue. You see, I've had a lot of bad things happen throughout the business. I found out we're getting sued in one of my markets. Someone hurt themselves on the springs. I found that out last week. I could give that issue all of my time. I haven't thought about it once. We have insurance for it. I'm going to find out the details. You know how many business owners would stop what they're doing and take days researching that? I'm not going to give it any of my time. I own my time. That's the last thing I have time for is that crap. Now, yes, it's going to get solved. But I'm not going to give that. I'm going to give that a small fraction of a a minute when it comes. And I'm going to say, are we insured? We'll do all the research. And most likely, we'll beat it because we don't do things bad. And this person, I think, is unfortunately trying to get a free ride for hurting themselves on a torsion spring. But anyways, let's see what else we got. Plug your oh home service millionaire course. Cody said he really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for that. Isaiah said, Tommy, 
How do you buy your call tracking numbers? I have a few from Skyboss, the invoice software that I use, but I was curious how the master does it. I buy them from Service Titan. Service Titan buys them. You can transfer them all over. And they used to be in CallCap. I still believe in CallCap. It's a great software, but I buy all my call tracking stuff now through Service Titan. They give me a lot of call tracking numbers and it's already built into the software. We use their phones pro, which is dial pad. I got a phone sitting here that hasn't been used in years. I got a, it's just here for looks, I think. But yeah, Dialpad does a great job of tracking everything. Service Titan, one, one of the features that they came up with in 2000, when they first started it out, was these call tracking numbers that were applied to campaigns. It might sound like, you know, call rail, there's other things that do that. But the first generation of thinkers that actually said, we're going to be able to give you really good insight in your call tracking. And I got to say, it's a game changer. I have a lot of call tracking numbers. Ishmael said when I went on stage in uh, Vegas, he's like, don't talk about your call tracking numbers. Everyone's got them. He's funny. We had a great time in Vegas. Uh, everybody had a great story. It's just so funny because some of these guys have become magnets for top talent. And, you know, my industry is so just drama. I got to say this. The reason I don't talk to a lot of garage guys is because they still haven't figured it out yet. And I'm not saying I don't talk to them because of that, but when you go to an HVAC company, it's hard to find one that doesn't do $20, $30 million a year. It's hard to find one. I mean, literally there's ones that do five, six, seven million, and I'm, you know, great, great people, but five, six, seven million is like crazy numbers in the garage industry. It's like, holy crap, they got all these guys, they do all this stuff. They do everything right to get to seven million. There's so many guys doing 20, 30, 40 million in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, roofing. So when you just talk to those guys, they understand what it's like to spend the money in marketing. You know, there's a lot of guys in all these forums going, man, I would never spend that in marketing. And I'm like, well, you never will. You're never going to be able to. You don't charge the right prices. You don't have any good employees. I mean, it's just so funny talking to people that really haven't been through. You know, I've been an employee, so I could talk to employees as an employee. I've been at $5 million, so I could talk to them as a $5 million company. I've been at 50 million. So I could talk to them at a $50 million company. So I just love when people tell you exactly what you're doing wrong when they've never been in your shoes. So do me a favor and never take advice for somebody that's never been in your shoes. As an employee, I could talk about employees. And the worst answer I used to get was because I said so. So I'll never give anybody that answer. But I know what it's like to pay taxes as an employee. I know what it's like to pay taxes as an owner. It's nice to be able to talk to things logically. And here's the most beautiful thing about home service is a lot of the homes we go to, they're small business owners and they know what it's like and they don't mind you're charging good prices. People always talk to me, you know, one of my buddies called me up. I'm going to be doing some stuff with him. He's having a sales convention. Then he mentioned to me about going to maybe doing a sales call with him out in this city on the East coast. And I said, with a garage door company. And he said, I'll just call a reputable garage door company up. And I said, well, I want to know a few things first. I don't know if I want to just jump into that. What does the truck look like? Was it a branded call or non-branded call? What does their price book look like? How quick can they get the product? What does the CSR sound like? How do the dispatchers operate? See, without understanding these things and without having a customer ready to buy when I show up, I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> there are sales guys that would say, you know, Joe Cristaro would say, yeah, book any call, I'll show up. But see, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to put all I'm going to make my chance of success 10 times higher by making sure it's a branded call. I'm making sure I have a very, very nice CRM to find the prices quickly. I'm making sure the CSR sounds like gold. Actually, I might even like to take the call. 
I want to make sure that the dispatcher has got me going in at the right time with the right offer. I want to make sure everything's set up, that the vehicle looks good when I pull up. I'm going to use everything in my favor. That no, I'm going to make sure I got a brand new shirt that looks clean with no holes on it. I'm going to make sure I'm shaved. I'm going to make sure I smell good. These are the things that nobody really talks about. They say, get a good sales guy. Sales guy is only as good as you let them be. Sales guy is only as good as the calls they're taking. If they're not getting any brand, if everybody's just competing with the same call and it's survival the cheapest, you see, you haven't had money to put money into branding. You know, it's crazy when you get to these small companies, though, especially in the garage industry, because they know it well. And they're getting 20, 30 calls a day with no marketing because they've been around 30, 40 years. Those are perfect for me because I could get them to 100 calls a day. I could double their conversion rate, double their average ticket, probably triple their average ticket. And then on top of that, I can increase their booking rate. And then I could reactivate their old list. Then I could retrain all their guys to get five-star reviews because they only got 10 for the last 47 years. And then the owners are like, well, we've always made money. Well, you did. You've always made money. You've always made money as an owner, never as a business. And there's a big difference between that. And I would never, ever want to tell somebody that their life's work is crap because it's not. It means a lot. It's amazing if they could get 20, 30 calls with no marketing, but it's just few and far between. You know, I, I just, I love those companies. Those are the companies that I want to partner with because, man, I will shoot them up with steroids left and right. They'll be a happier company. They're going to go, oh my God. They're going to wonder what would happen if we met 10 years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't want to partner with me because I was going through a lot of the growing pains 10 years ago, 2011. Holy crap. So my mom moved out here, my mom and Bill in 2010. And man, I was probably exactly like, you know, the business was 5 million. It was good. I was still running all the calls, you know, a lot of them. My mom was booking the calls. It's just crazy because 10 years seems like a long time ago, but it still seems just crazy. It's, it's just funny to me because I didn't even have a master's degree till 2012. So I was going to school every Monday from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. And I was still going on trips with them. And man, I did not know. There were so many things that have happened since then. So many things with, with lawyers and just going to new markets. I don't even think I was, that's barely when I was in my second market 10 years ago. But what's nice is if you guys really listen, I had a guy text me earlier on Facebook said, hey, man, I really appreciate it. Thanks to you. I'm going to hit a million dollars this year in his pressure washing company. And I think he's up probably 300%. And I love that. I love that people could take the things that we've done and the mistakes that we've had. And I meet these people in Vegas or meet them on the phone or talk to their husbands, you know, their wives and husbands. And I love hearing the stories of becoming a better father, a better mother, or, or just a better person, better relationships. Changing lives. That's what this is all about. I mean, look, people ask me why I do this. I love people. I love changing lives. And if I make all the mistakes, the reason why I started a podcast is because I needed to learn more. And I was making a lot of mistakes. And I thought people should not have to make the same mistakes I made. So hopefully there's some stuff here. You don't have to agree with everything. In fact, I'd, I'd really appreciate it if you don't agree with a lot of the things. Because Maybe it's not the same in your industry. I'll tell you this, in my industry, I speak from the heart. I'm not telling you guys how to run your business. I'm just telling you guys that everybody that I know who's gone and seen the consultant that's smart in the garage industry, the consultants laugh and say, you guys all should raise your prices, but they don't understand. See, no one understands the gross profit part of things. A lot of consultants do, and that's how you should build your price book. But let's see, we got another question here. 
Tommy, any advice on how to get financing for equipment? Only about a year and a half in a business. I got a buddy of mine. His name's Jim. You call this guy. He could probably help you get set up. You know, Jim might be able to you get an SBA loan. Jim Piccolo, 480-596-1111. Josh Kim is a great guy. If you go look on the group, Roger, I'm home service expert. He'll be able to help you get money. I wouldn't go taking a huge loan right now, but if the government's giving out money for cheap, take advantage of it. How often should you be emailing your existing customer base? At least once a year. Uh, some people think twice a month. For me, I think you want to at least once a quarter. It just depends on your service business. You want to stay top of mind, but you want to give them very, very valuable information. Something that they want to read, something a little funny, maybe a little video with it. I like to do things like how to winterize your house. So you're learning more about just your garage. Come up with something cool, like uh, fun things to do with your garage door around Christmas time. Maybe there's a setup there that you can make it really festival for Halloween and Christmas and Thanksgiving. But make things interesting. Make them to the point to where they're not reading 25 pages. And if you can throw a video in there, great. But make sure that you're just staying top of mind. And some of that's through email. Some of that's through mail. Some of that's through text messaging, which that one's a hard one to get around. I don't want to go into that. But listen, guys, if you're in the garage door industry, I'm going to tell you guys, you need to come to Vertical Track. It's going to be amazing. It's November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. We're going to teach you guys how to get on service day and how to kick ass on buying stuff, how to become better marketers. You can understand what this buyer's group's all about. It's going to be amazing. And I'd appreciate it if you let everybody know it's it's going to be in Phoenix. And the guys that come to it, there's a plan I'm planning. <laughs> and it's a way to become very rich for all the guys in the garage industry. It's not hard. You know, I've got more guys than I can even handle. We're training so many about the building next door. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you guys. We grew outgrew our training center, so we're building a 7,000-square-foot training center. It's going to be able to handle 100 technicians a month, a little bit more than that. There's a big plan here, and you guys will really, really enjoy it. I appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully, you got some good answers. I love this. This is probably my favorite thing to do each month. I appreciate you listening. and. Come up with a lot of great questions for next time. I appreciate you guys. Have a fantastic day. See ya. Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me. And I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're going to find out all the new podcasts. You're going to be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And and do me a quick favor. Leave a quick review. It really helps us out when you like the podcast and you leave a review. Make it four or five sentences. Tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. 
I'm not making any money on it to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.